0: Hello, fantasy and supernatural fans. My name is Jess, and this is CamCat Unwrapped. You've been listening to The Beached Ones by Colleen M. Storey, and today we have the author here with us for a virtual interview, and I'm so looking forward to chatting with her. Colleen, thank you so much for being here with us.
1: I'm thrilled to be here, Jess. This is such a neat thing that you guys do. I'm looking forward to it.
0: Yes. Oh, I'm so glad that we're going to get to talk. And this has been so much fun for me to get to coordinate these interviews and talk to such amazing authors and people. So I'm so glad that today I get to talk to you about The Beached Ones. Why don't we start with you telling us a little bit about yourself?
1: I live in the Pacific Northwest. I have been a writer pretty much my whole life, uh, a professional freelance writer for about 25 years now. And then I've always written stories on the side and uh, got my first one published in 2015 and just have continued since then.
0: Wow. So does that mean you've like that's all that you do as a profession? You're just a freelance writer.
1: No other side jobs. That's how I support myself. Wow. Well, actually, you know, uh, I'm a musician also. Um, I've been in. I my degree is actually in music education, really? so I play French horn in the area of symphony and pit orchestra groups, and then I also teach music lessons. So that's kind of my side gig.
0: Oh my gosh, very cool! Wow, that's so fun. What started you playing the French horn?
1: I just love the way it sounded, and this is going to be funny. But back when I was a kid, one of the big shows that popular at that time was dallas i don't know uh, Yeah, you know that one but they had they had a, we used to watch that with my family and they had a, a theme song at the beginning that was all french horn and i just loved the way that the instrument sounded so that's what i wanted to play and oh i had played gosh. piano since first grade i also play piano wow. um, but then i wanted to get into a band and play that instrument so that just got me started with that and i never wow. looked back i was really glad that i, that I chose that one because the french horn is beautiful
0: oh i mean yeah both such beautiful instruments do you teach lessons for both or is it more so one of yes
1: i teach lessons for piano and french horn and also trumpet and trombone because trumpet is quite similar to french horn and since i do have my music education degree i was able to you know teach in in those two instruments that are similar as well because it's very similar the the basics that you're teaching for how to play those and i actually just got myself a little used uh cornet to help in my lessons which is a lot of fun so yeah, I have lots of instruments. I have an accordion. I have a trombone. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> that is a so hobby. Neat.
0: Wow. Well, my brother is is a big musician. So I just have such an appreciation oh, nice. for people who know how to play instruments because I what does he play? Oh gosh. He's one of those people who I find a little bit annoying who can just pick up an instrument and kind of know how it works. Um, So he's currently (laughs) teaching himself saxophone, but he also plays the Mm -hmm. drums and the guitar and he's a beatboxer in an acapella group and um, sings, has a beautiful singing voice. He's just one of those Ah. multi-talented people, but (laughs) it sounds like you know the type as you are one as well. (laughs) So that is so, so neat. So Obviously, we are here as much as I could just go on and on listening to all of the <laughs> musical facts that you know. Um, we're here to talk about your book, The Beached Ones, which is just such an emotional and really, I don't want to say heavy because that feels like it really doesn't do it justice, just one of those books that really hits you in the heart and makes you feel all sorts of ways. And, you know, the the family bonds, the really heavy, to- the topics that are heavier, There, it's got a lot of really beautiful messages and things in there. Um, What is your connection to this sort of paranormal and fantasy genre?
1: I think when writing, I've always been drawn to to exploring issues that I can't explore in real life. Mm -hmm. I tried when I first started writing to write stories just based in real life, and I didn't find that satisfying enough. I wanted to go beyond that. I have kind of an exploratory nature, I guess, and also a spiritual nature. So I love the idea of, of addressing the big questions, like what happens after we die or, you know, what might be other dimensions that might exist, you know, kind of the combination of spiritual issues and scientific issues. You know, when you start combining um, what we think may happen after we die or think about different dimensions in, in scientific language, you kind of get a crossover there that I find is, is kind of fascinating. So that to me is just more attractive thing to write about when I am I'm don't plot out my stories typically, I just start writing and see where it goes. I usually have a very strong image that I start with and then I kind of know where the ending's going to be, but then it's kind of like just watching a movie as I write. Mm. And so that whole discovery and exploratory nature of that genre that you can do, I just really enjoy. Most all of my fiction writing, you know, it took me a long time to find my voice. I have many discarded manuscripts that will never see the light of day. <laughs> but once I really did lock in, um, I've written different types of fantasy. Not all of them have been supernatural oriented, but just being able to kind of stretch the boundaries of what we feel of as is reality has been more fun for me.
0: Absolutely. I love that you said you kind of use your writing as a way to explore issues that you can't explore in real life. And I think that that is something that is very apparent in your book and also just such a cool concept to think that you can use this book that you're writing not only as a way to convey a message, but as a way for you to kind of learn for yourself, which is so so interesting. I love that. Um, You had mentioned, which I actually have a question about later, but because you brought it up now, that you don't really have a plan when you go into writing. You just kind of see the movie play out in your head and go for it. Um, What is that like for you? What does your writing process look like?
1: It ends up being really fun and really difficult at the same time. (laughs) I wouldn't necessarily advise people to go that way because it means that I end up doing multiple, multiple drafts. Um, I, the most recent novel I'm working on now, I actually was able to do a little bit more of an outline on it, though. Still, I, if I, I tried outlining at one point mm. and to me that just took all the discovery away from the process. Mm. I, after I finished a full outline, I was bored with the story. I was ready to <laughs> move on. So I, I'm not good at, at doing a, a very detailed outline or even a, a thorough outline. I've tried that and it didn't work. Um, but So my process ends up being long, lengthy. (laughs) I do wish I could go a little faster in my fiction writing, but it it does take me a long time because the first draft is really me finding out what the story is going to be, how the story is really going to lay out. And then the subsequent drafts are going back and making sure that I have all the uh, important things that I need for proper story structure to make sure that it's interesting and makes sense to the reader, that I have all the, you know, characterizations in place. So it ends up, you know, I go through 10, 15 drafts before sure. I actually turn it in. So um, it is a lengthy process. And the first, the first draft tends to be fun, but I, I find I have to overcome a resistance every time I sit down to write because I have no idea what's going to happen in this next scene. And so I really have to trust the process. And, you know, if I on a day I'm feeling tired or or overwhelmed with things I'm doing, it can be very difficult to sit down and say, "Okay, it's going to be okay, Just right. Because, you know, I feel like I'm not going to be able to get this out here on this blank page. But and I think a lot of writers face that. But if you don't have an outline with you, um, then you're just you know, you're just sitting there and you're waiting for it to kind of come to you. And for me, I kind of I kind of channel the story. I feel like that because I feel like if I get stuck, I need to listen. If -hmm. I remind myself to just sit and listen then it kind of comes to me. I can relax and then write it out. So the process, I would say, is very intuitive. I tend to be uh, kind of an intuitive person. Um, And then once I have the draft down, then I go to work editing and, and getting it where it needs to be for publication.
0: Sure. That makes a lot of sense. I feel like I just got to kind of get some insight into what your other nonfiction titles are or the gist of, of some of the things I'm sure you've said in there you mentioned that you wouldn't necessarily uh, advocate for being what we've heard a couple of our authors call uh being a pantser kind of flying by the seat of your pants right. but but that that's a style right. that works for you so when you're writing your other or the other books that you've written about how to be a writer uh what do you tell your audience there
1: well, the first book that I put out was in response to uh, what my readers were asking for. I have a website called Writing and Wellness. Yes. And a lot of them were struggling to, to find time to write and to get over this resistance that we all have when, when we do have the time to write. So it's called Overwhelm Writer Rescue. And it's all the things that I learned about how to be productive and get your writing done, even if you are like I do working full time at another job and you're trying to fit your writing in on the side, how do you then, make that happen if you only have 20 minutes or only have half an hour to sit down and get your writing done. And I've learned some you know, tips and hacks that, that work for that kind of thing to help you get the most out of that 20 minutes and to help you be as productive as you can uh, with whatever your lifestyle might be so that you can still get your writing done even though your life may be very busy. So the first book that I put out is all about that. It's Writers can feel very overwhelmed not only with the task of of writing and editing and proofreading but then later on you know trying to fit marketing in there too so it's about you know how you can fit all this into your busy life and how to deal with the overwhelm that tends to come around um are there
0: topics in your book that you feel like are related to things that you have experienced in real life people places events things that you were able to draw on for your book
1: Yeah, I have found this interesting after many years of writing. I couldn't have answered that question probably even 10 years ago. Mm -hmm. But now that I've written many novels and many nonfiction books and have been doing this for a while, I was able to look back and say, you know, there seems to be a theme in my stories of loss and how we cope with loss. Mm -hmm. And I think that um, that had to have come a little bit from my childhood, because when I was very young, um, we did have a kind of a tumultuous childhood. My older brother and I, mm-hmm. um, my biological father was abusive. So my mother got us away from him and we moved across country and she found a delightful man and married him. But it was only six months later that he actually committed suicide. Oh my and gosh. so between the loss of my biological father and then the loss of the father that we had come to really care about, it was a lot of loss in a very young life. And you know, thank goodness my, my mother was a rock through all that time. She was a single mom in between those times. And uh, you know, we always had her to count on, but still we were dealing with a lot of this when I was like four, five, six wow. uh, years old. And so I'm thinking that must've had some impression on me. Um, there was also a neighbor uh, man that I thought of as my uncle uh, that we later lost to COPD. And wow. so this whole idea of how do we deal with loss and, you know, when you're that young and someone is suddenly gone or someone suddenly dies and how do you deal with that? How do you cope with that? And as a child, you don't have the emotional knowledge or resources to be able to, you know, process it very well. Um, so I think it came back in my life in, in the stories that I've written, although the stories aren't really you know, they're certainly not memoir in any in any sense of the word. I, I took the. In fact, I didn't even know I was really hearkening back to any of those experiences until sure. well after I had written the book. Um, it was more that I was, the idea uh, appealed to me after I saw a movie. Uh, that's kind of what started the beach ones, and it was only after I had finished writing it that I I realized there was still this you know this kind of unresolved trauma that had happened from when I was young and I credit The Beach Ones you know even though it is not about my life it's about a completely different story I think it did help me to um, come to terms with with my father's suicide he was my adoptive father Mm -hmm. and you know be able to kind of put that to rest finally
0: Sure. Well, first, and not that you need me to say this, and I know that this is many years ago, but I'm so sorry for your loss. And also thank (laughs) Thank you so much for sharing that, you know, for feeling comfortable enough to share that with me and with our audience. I I know I really, you know, appreciate you feeling comfortable enough to share that. Um, And so kind of off of that, I'm curious, although I feel like I'm not sure if this even would, relate to your answer, uh, what the hardest hardest scene was for you to write here? Was it those scenes that brought up a lot of emotion for you? As you said, you kind of used the book to help you process some of those emotions, uh, or did you feel like some of the harder scenes weren't actually the ones that you could connect to on an emotional level, level but more so maybe something that was sort of interim or more uh, driving the story? Just to say again, what was the hardest scene for you to write?
1: In the Beached Ones, um, you know, when I get into a story, it's not about me anymore. I'm not thinking about, like I say, I didn't even realize this might tap into my past experiences until well after I had finished the draft. And it took me many years to finish the draft because I had a basic idea of what I wanted to do, but I didn't know how to do it, how to tell this story in a way that would be compelling and effective and so I had many false starts that weren't going anywhere and I'd get to the middle of the book and have to you know I did the brakes would come on because I would know it wasn't working and so I was trying to find a way to make it work and this is all about story structure and how do you tell the story and from what point of view do you tell the story and what do your characters know and what don't they know so that's all very much the writing part of it Mm -hmm. Um, so for a long time I was kind of banging my head against the wall to try to tell this story but at the same time. Um, I felt very compelled to tell it. It was very important to me. And at the time, you know, when I'm writing a story, it's all about the characters. So Mm -hmm. I'm thinking about, you know, Daniel. I'm thinking about Tony. I'm thinking about, you know, Jolene. I'm thinking about what's happening with these people in the story. And I feel sort of a responsibility to them and their story uh, to finish it and finish it in the best way I can. Mm -hmm. So it really, I wasn't really relating To my experience at all, it was more, you know, the most difficult scenes in the book are the ones that affect my characters. So, you know, the difficult scenes between Daniel and Tony, the experiences of of loss that they go through, um, the experience of loss that Jolene goes through, the, the heavy guilt that she carries. Um, so it was more those scenes, especially the, the ending scene, of course, was was very difficult. You know, they say no tears in the writer, no tears in the reader. And mm-hmm. I definitely had plenty of tears on that last scene. Um, yeah. But yeah, it's all about the character for me because i become very involved with them and, and, and I care about their journey and, and what they're going through. So the scenes that are difficult are the ones that are difficult for them. And then, like I say, it wasn't until I finally finished the draft, which that took many years until before I finally had a breakthrough mm. and realized, ah, oh, if I tell the story this way, it will work. And finally, the draft came through for me. And that was a really, mm. you know, triumphant moment to feel like, ah, oh, finally, you know, this story is 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 coming together. And I didn't know at that time if, if it would ever be published or not, but I just felt like it was important to to get it told. And that at, at that time there was a certain relief. Okay, now that the story is told, I can go back and polish it and get it where I want it to be. And it wasn't until, you know, later after that that I realized, you know what, you know, <laughs> my own experience with suicide may have had something to do with where this came from. I mm-hmm. I don't feel like um, it was directly from that. I just think that, you know, way back in my subconscious, I certainly had a you know a feeling for what someone must be going through who had gone through suicide and that together with with the movie I saw that I I mentioned that actually um, sparked sparked the idea for me probably had something to do with where the story came from but like I say it's more about the characters for me and their story.
0: Absolutely yeah um you mentioned that between you writing the first draft and you having that kind of epiphany of, oh, this is how I want the story to end. Years had passed. How long did it take you to write the story?
1: <laughs> I started this story in 2012.
0: Oh, my gosh. And it wasn't. Okay. Uh,
1: yeah. <laughs> when did I sign the contract? Was it uh, 21, I think?
0: Possibly,
1: And. Um, yeah. I think I think that's right. Yeah, I have to go back and say no, wait a minute. <laughs>
0: well, I think so. I remember right. cuz I I got to edit the promotional video for um your book with you doing oh, nice. all the line readings. I I do all of the editing for that now and um when the beach ones came out, that was one of uh my projects and that was I only started doing that I believe 7 or 8 months ago. So within the last 7 or yeah, 8 months beach is when Wins it came, came out. out. Less-
1: Last summer. Yes. June and July. And I signed the contract the year before. I remember specifically because it was on April Fool's Day in April. Oh, you (laughs) were like, is this uh... real? (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. So that was uh, April 1, 2021, when I signed the contract. And obviously I had submitted it the fall before 2020. So you could you could say the story was finished in 2020, but that's still a really long time.
0: Wow. And then you had also mentioned how um, you felt like you were trying to find ways to make the story work during that time of, okay, I know that this is a message I want to get across. And and you even said, maybe it doesn't matter as much about it getting published so much as just getting it out there. Um, what kind of research did you have to do when you say finding ways to make the story work? What What went into that?
1: What actually... Um, there was a breaking point for how to make to how to tell the story that came much later, but some of the research I did was to actually travel the journey that mm-hmm. uh, Daniel, Jolene, and Brent take across country. Um, oh my gosh! I was very fortunate because I had I had kind of drafted the basics of the story. I knew where they were going to go from Iowa out to California. I had. Blocked it out on Google. I'd done a bunch of research there. I'd actually looked up Google Maps, seen the seen the locations. I was thinking they would be, charted, yeah. you know, plotted out the time it would take them to go from one place to the other. Um, but then I was like, you know what? I really, I really should go uh, to these locations. And the year I was thinking about doing that was. 2014 I believe and I still did not have a book out at all at that point mm. my first novel came out in 2015 and then the next one 2016 nonfiction, 2017 so in 2014 none of that had happened yet wow. so I was thinking you know invest in a trip like that when I'm not a proven writer at all I don't know <laughs> if I should do that it seemed at the point you know that maybe a little bit too self-indulgent to do that but um, I'm fortunate because m- my mom really loves to travel. Uh, we live about eight hours apart right now, so we don't get to see each other very often. And okay. I was just talking to her about, you know, you know, I was kind of thinking maybe I should, you know, mm. take this journey. Well, she was like, well, yeah, absolutely. And she wanted to go. <laughs> and so we planned the trip together and it was one of the best things I ever did as far as mm. um, not only researching the book, but just having some cool memories with my mom that we absolutely. shared. But um, I was able to really experience the journey that they take. And and, uh, it it was really impactful on the book in the terms of not only the settings and how to describe them as they are, but also just understanding what kind of toll that kind of trip takes on a person or or what kind of time it takes and what you're facing as you go from place to place to place. So I felt like it helped me to make the story much more realistic. And even better than that, at the final... um, location in san francisco and i talk about this in the acknowledgements i won't reveal it here for people who haven't read the story yet but um something really cool happened there that i feel kind of like however you want to say it the universe delivered me this <laughs> gift of a, of a person that ended up uh giving me a bunch of information that i didn't wow. even ask for that ended up being crucial to my research of the final scene in the story um, and i just you know it was just one of those things that just happened and this person ended up being there and, and we just ended up chatting and he started telling me all this information that i didn't even ask for so i thought okay <laughs> the universe wants me to tell this story i need to get this finished up it wow. was it was really a, 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 a how do you say it a, a wonder inspiring experience mm. to have that happen as a writer um to have just this coincidental coincidental event happen with just the right person to answer my questions at that time so i was really moved by all of that and so my mom and i went to dinner after that happened and i'm sitting there just stunned and i wasn't able to tell her what had happened or anything because i didn't want to spoil the story for her either
0: Right. So it was
1: it was a surreal experience, but I would highly recommend um, any other authors who are thinking of traveling to research a novel. That's that's very important to them to absolutely do it because it was really a phenomenal experience. Wow.
0: Yeah. I mean, it sounds incredible just based off of what you've described. But even before that, when you, you just said i Mapped out this journey for them, and now I have to take it myself. That is so <laughs> impactful too, and I really love that you were again able to experience that with your mom, as you said, and and able to experience really walk in the footsteps of your characters in that way, and that is very cool. Yeah. I, I feel like you can get really get that sense of that in your story. So, I, th- I think oh it, good, thank you. Yeah, just one of those things that um, I think one of the things that make really heart felt and relatable stories relatable is when you feel like the author connects to their work in the same way uh, and when you feel like you can connect in that same way too so that's really special that you were able to do that and I'm so glad and I'm so thrilled that this was the product of that as well because really it was such a such an impactful story and I really feel like you know, in addition to having to get through some of the the hard themes, which you know were were very hard, and also just really uh, I don't want to say revelationary, I feel like is, is a close word to what I'm talking about. Where I'm I'm feeling the process of coming through sort of uh, these ideas myself. You know, obviously not quite to the same extent, but but processing them almost as the reader or as the um, narrator is processing them and feeling like, oh, wow. yeah, just feeling like, wow, this is uh, something that really comes full circle. The more connected, I, I, I guess all I'm trying to say is I, I could sense that from the story, how connected you were to really every piece of it. So I really, really appreciate that about your book.
1: That's and, great to hear. Thank you.
0: Oh, oh of course. Absolutely. And um, just to shift gears a little bit, but what I was thinking of as soon as you mentioned, you know, how long it takes to get to the, each of these places is, oh, well, maybe you could listen to your audio book on that drive. And then remembering you hadn't written the book. There was no audio book <laughs> for you to listen to. <laughs> uh, I was like, wow, well, that would be perfect for you to take that trip and actually hear about what your characters are going through as you're in those physical locations. But obviously that <laughs> wouldn't have happened. Um, but speaking of the audiobook now that I brought it up, what was that like for you, your first time hearing the audiobook, hearing your words read back to you? What was that
1: like? Actually, and I, I hope this isn't disappointing to you, but I don't listen to my audiobooks. Oh that's <laughs> I have not this thing. I think Have you ever heard <laughs> Have you ever heard of actors saying that they don't watch their movies? It's kind of the same kind of thing for me. Um, sure. I work really hard on my books. Like I said, I put them through multiple drafts. Um, but then I tend to be critical. So, (laughs) you know, I know if I listen back to it, I'm probably going to start picking apart things that should have been better or could have been better. And, um, and also I think there's a little bit of, I went through that journey with my characters and not only one time, but 15 times, 20 times, whatever it took for however many multiple drafts we did. And, um, You know, because this story is emotional and because, you know, I did feel a connection to the characters by the time all that is done, it's almost for me like, okay, that's done. It's time to move on to a different to a different journey. So at that point, going back and listening to the story again is just not something that for me works well. Okay. And um, I, it's something that I want to have the audio. I like to have that in my in my files in case I ever change my mind. But I'm kind of thinking I probably won't, Sure. because I know how that how I how, how I work that way. I was thrilled that it, that an audio book was made of it because I know so many people don't have the time you know to to read a book uh, sure. the audio is so convenient for people um so i was really excited that that was done i enjoyed having a, a say in what who the narrator would be mm-hmm. i thought that was exciting yeah. but as a, as far as actually going back you know i once the story was published and out there i'm on to the next story so that's mm. kind of where my my brain goes and my focus goes
0: well that makes sense as a writer i can see that you're Especially someone who writes really for a living and who has so many stories out right. and so many books now, too. I, it makes sense to me that you're like, okay. I've lived this story i as you said 15 times i've really lived this story and now for it's many years to, uh, sure yeah since 20 you said 2012 so yeah 2012. oh my gosh yeah i can i can totally imagine and understand why you're like okay time to move on to the next thing and speaking of i know that you have other books that you mentioned you're the few nonfiction books that you have out, plus um, you have another story out with another publisher, I believe. What can you tell us about your other works?
1: So my novel before the Beach ones was called Lorena's Gift*, and that was published with *Dzanc Books*. <clears throat> excuse me, with *Dzanc Books*. D-Z-A-N-C. Um, and I was really excited about that one at that time, too. It is also, um, I would describe it as a supernatural thriller. Is sort of the okay. same genre as the Beach Ones uh, was. Totally different story, but it, there is some similar themes in there of loss that the characters are dealing with. But it's, it's a little bit more adventurous as far as, well, I don't know. The beast Ones is adventurous, too. So <laughs> there are some definite similarities there. Um, what, what was unique about that one is that the, the heroine, uh, Lorena, is blind. Mm. And I didn't know that that was going to be the case when I started writing the story. Like I say, I I don't plan these things out. So I'm I'm kind of channeling this story and I'm writing along and and I was like, Oh, I stopped I was like typing away and I stopped I thought oh my gosh she's blind how am I gonna do this (laughs) I don't know how I'm gonna write a blind character you know (laughs) yeah Um, but But... you know that was just the way it was it's kind of how my process works she was blind and I had to figure it out so (laughs) a lot of times when I was writing the story I was actually closing my eyes Mm -hmm. and you know being trying to feel what it would be like for her you know going about in her life uh, not being able to see So that was a a magical story that way. Um, She has her her gift. It's called Lorena's gift. Her gift is, is that with a touch of her hand, she can take someone to the afterlife. And while she's in the afterlife, she can see. So during that short period of time, she can, she can see what's happening. And then when she comes back to the real world, she cannot. So um, that was also just an, an exploratory, you know, full of discovery story.
0: Okay, yeah. That I
1: really enjoy telling. <clears throat> Excuse me. So then um, my nonfiction books are all written for writers. The first mm-hmm. one I mentioned was Overwhelmed Writer Rescue uh, to help writers fit the writing in and to be more productive and to um, do better with their time management. The second one's called Writer Get Noticed. Mm-hmm. It is all about finding a niche for your writing and marketing efforts. Um, I've tried to find a niche when my first novel came out, which was actually called Rise of the Sedina. It was a a high fantasy book. And the publisher went out of business about a year after it came out. So um, that one's no longer available. But that was my first published novel. And I tried to create a platform at that point, and it wasn't very successful. So when uh, I signed the contract for Lorena's Gift, I knew I had to step it up. And I was trying to figure out how to you know, create a, a niche that would attract people to my blog and my website and that sort of thing. And I decided to combine uh, what I do during the day is I'm a, a wellness writer with my passion for creativity and, uh, and, and writing fiction. And I came up with writing and wellness. And once I did that, my platform kind of took off. People were reading, people were subscribing. And I started getting invitations to come speak at writers conferences uh, about the topics that I was covering on the site. So I had a a unique niche there. And um, so Writer Get Noticed is, is basically a book full of exercises, really, that help writers to figure out um, what their niche might be. You know, it's about combining your strengths as a person with your strengths as a writer, with your interests and passions to come up with a mission statement and, you know, a business plan for your, for your author platform. Um, and then the third book that I wrote uh, just came out uh, the year before The Beach ones, and it was called Your Writing Matters. Um, And it was addressing another question that I was often hearing from writers, and that is, does this writing I'm doing really matter? And that's a question that can easily come up, you know, when there's so many other things going on in the world, and you're trying to find this time to write in your busy life. And you're like, does, you know, is this matter all this time that I'm finding so hard to invest in this thing? So that book addressed that question. And I'll actually be speaking on that uh, at the writing conference in Boise in May, Um, I'm doing a couple workshops there and then I'll be speaking on the whole topic of does your writing matter?
0: Oh, wow. Okay. Well, that is very cool. Um, I'm so looking forward to hearing more about that in a second, but um, I had two questions that kind of sprouted from that answer. So first (laughs) um, about Lorena's gift, you had mentioned much earlier that you kind of see the movie play out in your head. So was it that you had seen while watching the movie in your head that suddenly Lorena was blind and oh, that puts all the pieces together. What part of your journey kind of made you realize that you wanted to make that character blind?
1: Yeah, it was similar to that. And it wasn't really that I wanted to, because actually okay. I didn't want to, because sure. <laughs> I figured this is going to be too hard and too challenging. I can't. How am I going to make this work? Sure. You know, because how do you, you know, you ha- she's she's your heroine of the story. How, you know, how do you bring her into the room when she can't see anything? You sure. know, how do you, or or how do you relate the to, this the,
0: to the experience? Yeah. How do you relate to this experience? Well, and I, and I felt like I
1: could mean. do that because oh, I, okay. I, I, I. I would say I'm a highly sensitive person. If, you, if you've ever read the, the book about that, um, that I realized that later in life that I was that. So I find it very easy to put myself in the shoes of my characters. But as far as the reader's experience, how sure. was I going to make that work for them? Yeah. So I really didn't want to, but I was writing along, like you say, and uh, it was early in the story. And she's actually going from her um, uncle's church, over to their house. Okay. And I she starts walking up the steps and all the, I'm I'm like she's she's feeling her way up these steps and it was just I don't know, it, it's hard to describe my process cuz like I say it kind of I kind of channel it but it just it it came to me in that moment I'm kind of feeling like I'm in in her body and I'm walking up the stairs and I realized at that point that she's blind and like I say I just stopped and I was like oh boy I'm in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> well that
0: actually makes a lot of sense to me then if you say that you're a very sensitive person and you even had the line written that she felt her way up the steps I can totally put myself in your shoes as it, <laughs> to some extent obviously not fully but um and and really I I feel like I know what you mean now when you say oh she felt her way up the stairs and that was the line that kind of triggered it for you well I
1: hadn't even written that line I, I mean uh that's not exactly the words that I typed okay it's more the the images I'm sensing or feeling as mm. as I'm going from one place to the other in the scene um so it may not be actually what what the words end up being but it's like the the process of, of the thinking that happens before you actually are typing the words mm-hmm. um there's that little window of time where that that came through, that that's who she was. I sure. kind of love that about writing. I feel like writing is so magical that way because mm. um, I've had, it seems like in every story, some character pops up that I never expected. And I've heard this from other writers too. And that character usually ends up being the most awesome character because they're so <laughs> unique and you didn't expect them. And it's not somebody you created, you know, you didn't sit down and plan it. You're just riding along and all of a sudden this character's there and they just spice up the whole scene. And it, you know, it's, I mean, Gus was that way for me in the beach mm, ones.
0: That's what I was you know, about to ask. The,
1: yeah, <laughs> he's kind of the um, the community uh, man that ends up really helping the boys yes. out. And and he just, you know, was this <laughs> old codger character and showed up on the scene and I just loved, you know, writing his scenes. So it's always really cool when that happens. And, and it's what I love about writing, just mm-hmm. that, magical creative thing that happens
0: yeah that is so so neat and i love you describing it as magical because i think you know again i'm i'm no author but i feel like from what i've gathered from a lot of the interviews that i've conducted and just from the sense that i get as a reader it really does feel like magic sometimes how beautifully everything kind of comes together and obviously i know and many readers know how much work went into actually creating the magic but but it really is, I think magical is such a perfect word because it, it feels like that tingly magic feeling. and I, I love
1: that you described it that way. Um, which well and that's the cool thing about the first draft because I've always found I think there's one way to tell that you're a writer is if after writing a scene if you feel energized, If you're like, oh, that was awesome, then you're definitely a writer, because uh, that's often how I would feel, particularly in the first draft. I think um, in subsequent drafts, as you then, you know, the magic kind of happens in the first draft, because that's where these things come in that you weren't expecting. In the subsequent drafts, then your your left brain kind of takes over, and you got to, you got to, you know, make this thing uh, fit story structure and make sure all that stuff is in place, and it all makes sense. So I think there's, you're kind of using two parts of the brain there. Um, but, but the magical part seems to be for me in the first draft. And then you're, then you turn over to the other side of the brain is okay. Now you take it and have, the, make this thing make sense.
0: <laughs> I, I like that a lot. The kind of balancing of the two sides of the brain, mm-hmm. which also brings me to that second question that I had from, um, your previous answer. Um, you had mentioned before that you, you have your website called writing and wellness, um, but that you're a wellness writer during the day, um, I was just curious if you have any advice for people, aside from, of course, visiting your website, um, who are maybe struggling to find a balance for wellness and and find wellness for themselves, if you have any advice for people who are just getting on that journey.
1: Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of things I can think of. I think the first thing that comes to mind is coming back to your top three priorities in life. We have so many choices today of how we spend our time more than ever before. It can be really overwhelming. I mean, there's always something there that you can turn to to entertain you or to, you know, keep you from being bored. There's so many things that technology has given us. Um, That we can spend our time on. And then all of us, you know, have busy lives as far as raising our families and doing our day jobs and doing our community work or whatever we're involved in. So I think we have to come back and be really purposeful about what we're choosing to spend our time on, Mm -hmm. because it's so easy to just let things kind of take over you like you're sitting there for a minute so you pull up your Twitter feed or you're you know you're just kind of letting time go by and not thinking about it too much Um, for me I've always been a a future oriented person so where am I going to be in 10 years where am I going to be in 20 years Mm -hmm. and I think that kind of thinking has served me because it makes me realize that if whatever choices I make today whatever priorities I set today are going to have a big impact on where I am five or ten years from now. I liken it to planting a garden now so mm-hmm. that you have, you know, your vegetables and stuff to, to eat. And when it's harvest time, if you're not doing the planting, and I think that's the same thing for, for doing your writing every day or, or spending time on whatever dream you may have, sure. that has to be a top priority. And I think we get caught up in thinking, well, I have to do all these other things, you know, in my life to keep the wheels turning without realizing, well, at the end of the day if you if you're 80 years old and you've been you know you've gotten all those other little things done but are you going to be happy with what you had accomplished in life by that time if you're if you're not putting your dreams at the top of the list and so for me personally i mean that's actually why i decided to be a freelance writer my first job as a writer was with a corporation Mm -hmm. and it was a great way to get started and I I stayed with them for three years but then I was like there's no way I'm going to have the time I want to have and the flexibility I want to have in my hours if I continue to work for the corporation so I went out on my own to be freelance so I could set my own hours and have more flexibility to spend on my dream which was writing novels so I think the main message is choose your top top priorities and then make sure you're spending at least some time on those almost every day and keep coming back to those priorities because it's so easy to get drawn away from them and think that everything else is so important keep coming back where do I want to be five ten years from now and make sure you're spending time on those priorities wow
0: I really love that and I wish I could talk to you so much more about this because I mean in addition to your book I have so many questions for you but uh, we are running little low on time now. So I'm going to come to some of my last questions. Um, Just because I'm curious, and it sounds like you have so much insight too as to the things that you're looking for in books and, and what you appreciate as a writer, what are you reading right now?
1: Oh, my gosh, I have to go back (laughs) and look um i am reading the prequel to the hunger games
0: oh okay Um, (laughs) i
1: never would have guessed myself a fan of the hunger games but my older brother gave me the trilogy Mm. and when covid hit i read it and i was just amazed at how fast she wrote and how much she packed into a short space i was really impressed with her writing so i have the prequel to that now um I'm having to think back because I have I often am reading several books at once. I'm reading sure. forty autumns this the the, mm-hmm. the memoir about the um, girl I'm forgetting her name at the moment uh, about the girl who whose family uh, existed in East and West Germany during the um, time when that was when the Great Wall was when the when when the Berlin Wall was there. Um, that's kind of a historical fiction book. And that's because it's a book club choice, probably not one I would have chosen, but I belong to a book club. So I'm reading that now. Okay. Um, I just finished reading Clara and the Sun by, by Ishiguru. He's one of my favorites. And whenever he puts something out, I make sure to read it. I tend to be pretty widely read because I, I have a lot of different tastes myself. And then, like I say, I belong to a book club. So you read whatever they, they choose. Yeah. And so um, those are the ones that I can remember at the moment.
0: Okay, well, that is very cool. I'm curious, and I think I have just enough time to squeeze in this question, too, so I'm going to. Um, as a writer and as someone who writes about writing, what kind of books attract you as a reader?
1: Ones that that promise to make me think. Um, Ooh, I like that. I just pulled up one. Uh, I'm not going to remember the name of it. Yesterday, because uh, it will be my choice at the next book club meeting, which is next week, and I just pulled up one. And maybe you can help me with the title because it was a big release uh, last year, I believe. And everybody, a lot of people around the world get these little boxes. And inside the boxes is the um, the information on how long they're going to live. Oh. And I'm forgetting the name of this book, but that intrigues me. You know, the, the ones, and I think I write about the same thing, the big questions in life. You know, yeah. if you had the information available to you about how long you were going to live, would you want to know? And, you know, and then what would you do with that information? So that book promises to make me think, and I'm definitely going to read that. Um, So that kind of thing is what attracts me. Something that um, either tends to take me to a, a a different place, a different world, or tends to make me think although i'm not really i'm not hugely into into just sci-fi just for the world building i like okay. to have a um, really good character development and some sort of a theme that i can walk away feeling like i've been enriched by that story
0: absolutely that makes a lot of sense and in- I love that answer too, just a book that makes you think. And I'm not familiar with the book that you just described, but it sounds like such an interesting premise. I'd definitely be curious to look into it more. So thank you so much for yeah, sharing. Yeah, I wish I could
1: remember the title at the moment. I just yeah. I just saw it uh, yesterday while browsing, and I, I marked it. Yep, that's on my list. And I, it started with an M, I think, but I can't remember what it was called. Uh, yeah, that
0: happens to me all the time. Um, so before we get going, where, I know you mentioned your websites before, but where else can we find you?
1: Writing and wellness is my motivational website for writers. And then my author website is ColleenMStory.com. Um, those are my two main places. And then I'm also on Twitter and YouTube and LinkedIn and Instagram.
0: Perfect. Well, Colleen, thank you so much for coming on with us. This was so much fun. I wish we, I had more time so I could just ask you so many more questions. But this was really lovely. Thank you for joining us.
1: Now, thank you for your interest, Jess. And thanks for all your great questions.
0: Of course, my pleasure. And to the listeners at home, you can find the Beach Ones on our website camcatbooks.com. It's available in audiobook, ebook, and print formats, and you can find Camcat Unwrapped on all major podcasting platforms or watch us on our YouTube channel. And make sure you follow us on social media at camcatbooks. Thank you all so much for tuning in and unwrapping another one of our books to live in with me. My name is Jess, and I'll see y'all next time here on CamCat Unwrapped.